0: What's up, everybody? Colin Kennedy here, OUInsider.com, joined, as always, by my guy and lead editor, Joey Helmer. Joey, I think we got some stuff to talk about this week, man. What do you think?
1: Oh, boy. Do we ever. You know, it's interesting, because I think if you had looked at the schedule beforehand, in the original schedule, we didn't see Oklahoma going 0-2, but... Like, when they shifted it and you had K-State, who I thought stood no chance against Oklahoma, even last week I thought Oklahoma stood a really good chance of bouncing back against Iowa State, and they lose both of these games. I'm honestly – when you look uh, back and go through the film, you can see why, certainly, that they're 0-2 at this point. But uh, just on the outset, like, it's really surprising that we're going into the Red River team and we're talking about – a Sooner team that has not won a Big 12 game yet.
0: Well, regardless of what the status of this program is, it's a really big game, and we're here to break it down. Welcome in, everybody, to Sooner Digest. It's been a minute, but remember, we are always supported by our friends over at Penny Hill Bar in Char. Before we talk football, let's talk about the great venue that everyone should go check out during the OU-Texas game. Even with some COVID restrictions, Joey, I mean, that's the place to be, right, especially for a game like this.
1: You know, you can, you can mask up and go in there. They're doing perfect social distancing and, and spacing people out at tables and everything, and go get the pretzel and beer cheese, man. It, it, it's absolutely phenomenal. We, Colin and I, uh, we, we struggle not to order it every time we're there.
0: It is an absolute struggle, but always remember it's not a struggle when ordering pickup, carry out. Whenever you're talking about Penny Hill Bar and Char, they're also doing that these days as we navigate the COVID era. So be sure to check them out Penny Hill Bar and Char. Great food, great times, great deals, especially on game day. And game day is coming up for both Oklahoma and Texas. All right, let's get into this thing, and you mentioned it. This is a weird outing for both squads, right? We're typically not used to both teams entering a game like this, kind of flatlining. I mean, Texas should be losing more games than they are right now, even though they enter the game 2-1. and one. It was a questionable outing, to say the least, against Texas Tech, and obviously the slip-up against TCU. The Horn Frogs have dominated the Longhorns to this point in their time in the Big 12 Conference. Oklahoma, hopes to dominate against Texas, but they have looked anything other than dominant to this point this season. The Sooners are obviously 1-2 and with basically a glorified scrimmage win over Missouri State, slipping up twice in Big 12 conference play. Joey, just kind of open ended here, you touched on a little bit beforehand, but for both of these programs to be where they are now and getting ready to face each other I mean, does it take the air out of the rivalry for you, or is it still a little bit of juice flowing through the veins as we get ready for kickoff?
1: So, a couple of things. You know, you could argue certainly that, and Lincoln Riley said earlier this week, this is absolutely the best rivalry in college football. So, these teams are going to be amped up for this football game. I don't care if they don't have any wins or if they're undefeated coming into this game. They're going to be amped up. They're going to be ready to play this game. Uh, the, the stakes are always high when you have the crimson and cream versus the, born, the burnt orange and two teams that absolutely despise each other. And so uh, there's that factor. And, and then when you look, both of these teams, I think, almost have mirror uh, situations right now entering uh, this game. Texas, as you mentioned, could easily be 0-2. Oklahoma could be 2-0, and but they're 0-2. Like, these teams right now, could easily both be winless going into this game. Very similar feel uh, with both programs. Um, Down on what's going on so far. A frustrated fan bases, not happy. Uh, Clearly, we see the Oklahoma side of things, how upset the fan base is right now after those losses to Kansas State and Iowa State. So, it's certainly an interesting uh, matchup right now and kind of the psyche of both teams. I know. I've heard everything that I guess you want to hear from Oklahoma coming into this game. They're fired up. We'll see if that manifests itself on the field. But uh, I I think when you get out there, these two two teams will be ready to play each other.
0: Yeah, man. I think I look at this game and it's a complete toss up. And when it's something like that, especially with a rivalry game being a situation where you just throw everything out the window beforehand, it's going to make this thing a lot of fun once the game actually arrives. Now, that being said. I look at these teams, and I see them as both 0-2 squads. I mean, yes, Oklahoma played Missouri State, and that team is one of the worst football teams I've ever seen in my life, to put it bluntly. That was a waste of time. I mean, yeah, at at the same time, Joe, I mean, Texas played UTEP, and UTEP is a team that if UTEP played Kansas, for example, I'd probably give the Jayhawks at least a two-touchdown advantage. I mean, UTEP's a not very good football team either. So then when you look at, I mean, Texas – just had everything go its way against Texas Tech. Some special teams miscues and bad decisions by the Red Raiders ended up giving the Longhorns that somehow comeback victory. And obviously Oklahoma sits where it stands within the Big 12 Conference with those two losses, both of which being narrow losses at that. But, I mean, I just see these two teams as very struggling programs. And, like, when we talk about some of the the juices or the stage that comes with it, It's weird to me because maybe more so than ever before, these teams have more to lose from a loss in this game than there actually is to gain. And I see that because if Oklahoma starts out 0-3 in Big 12 play for the first time since, what, 1998, it's not going to be just a bad look. There's going to be hellfire and brimstone to pay for Lincoln Riley and the Sooners from a fan base perspective and more. But at the same time, I look at this – if Tom Herman can't get the job done against a down Oklahoma football team with a senior quarterback and a lot of returning talent on an experienced Longhorn football team, I mean, maybe he's facing the hot seat after this game. Who knows? But that's what, to me, really adds some extra pressure to this specific game in the chronicle of this rivalry. There's a lot to lose for both teams, and they will do ever whatever it takes to scratch and claw their way out with a victory. So let's talk about how they can actually secure that victory. I want to start with the Oklahoma offense versus the Texas defense, Joey. When you look at these two units going into a game like this, just generally, what stands out about the matchup and what are you looking for once they face each other?
1: Well, a guy like Joseph Pesai for Texas is really intriguing in this matchup. And uh, we we addressed it a little bit on our pod uh, that we just shot, but, that rush kind of outside backer position could be really interesting on both sides in this right? Like who's going to bring pressure and be that difference maker defensively? Oklahoma's going to have to, to, to get a hat on him for sure. And to me, I, I think the thing that stands out more than anything, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the show, but Oklahoma's going to have to be able to run the ball because if they're to to keep guys off of Spencer Rattler, they're going to have to keep Texas honest. And if they're not able to uh, generate anything in the run game, which has been very, very inconsistent right now with Oklahoma, uh, the backs haven't been great. The offensive line certainly hasn't been great. Um, Even blocking on the perimeter uh, by the receivers has not been great as well. And that's made Oklahoma have a lot of trouble running the football. So that puts a lot of pressure on a redshirt freshman quarterback in this game if he's not able to, to get in manageable downs, like second and four, you know, third and two, third and three type situations to where it kind of keeps the defense guessing a little bit. So, to me, Oklahoma's going to have to be able to run ball to keep Spencer Rattler comfortable in this game.
0: And uh, touching on what you brought up, because we touched on it in the pre-show as we prepared for this, It's going to be very interesting to see if they try and use the quarterback run game specifically to not only get the ball rolling from a ground game perspective, but also help Spencer Rattler settle in and maybe try and negate Joseph Osai. He had 11 total tackles, three and a half tackles for loss and a sack last week against TCU. His impact cannot be understated for the Longhorns. And if you're going to try and negate him, maybe the best option is to just take him out of the play some read option, could be an option for Lincoln Riley and the Sooners. For me, when I look at this, I I, I think, number one, Caden Stearns and that Texas Longhorns defensive backfield is very veteran, it's very experienced, but I do think that they're susceptible. I think both squads have been struggling with tackling recently, and if you're Oklahoma, you want to see one of your receivers emerge in this game, right? I mean, one of these young dudes has to step up, and I would look to a guy who really emerged at the beginning of the year in Marvin Mims. The guy was incredibly productive out of the gate, and it's just been hard to get him the football recently. I think Marvin Mims is a guy who, not only coming from the state of Texas, understands this rivalry, but he has a great amount of maturity to him. Anyone who knows Marvin knows he has just an outstanding head above his shoulders. And he's also a very productive player, a reliable presence, even as a true freshman. I want to see if Marvin Mims can get back to being that guy for Spencer Rowler and the Oklahoma offense on the perimeter. They need a wide receiver against these Texas DBs. I think Mims could be that if they try and target him, try and maybe work the HVACs a little bit more as well. We all know that's probably the most talented group on the field for OU right now offensively. I'd expect them to get a little bit more run against Texas. But, Joey, this is interesting, and it'd be interesting to get your take on this. We talk about Joseph Osai, but the Oklahoma offensive line has obviously struggled. And one of the biggest things that we've touched on in the past is Creed Humphrey and his hopes of being a first-round NFL draft prospect. But what he has struggled with especially is talented defensive tackles head up on him. Whenever there's a zero-tech or a very talented defensive tackle going one-on-one against him, Creed sometimes struggles to win those battles. and. You talk about a guy like Keandre Coburn for Texas, Joey. This dude, as a defensive tackle, had 11 total tackles last week with two tackles for loss. That is insane amount of production at that position. And Creed Humphrey is going to have something to prove going up against him. I see this Oklahoma offensive line versus a very experienced Texas defensive line as maybe the deciding factor in this battle between OU's offense and Texas defense. And maybe that singular battle between Coburn and Creed Humphrey could be the end-all be-all in this game. Well, you
1: look and if you're strictly strictly looking at one-on-one in this game, that's certainly one of the most important ones that we're going to be zeroing in on uh, throughout the entirety of this contest. And you talk about this game and it's always, as we said, the run game. But physicality, the team – the, the reason Oklahoma has had a lot of success in this game in recent years is because they've been typically the more physical team in this game, especially up front. And quite frankly, uh, Oklahoma hasn't been that physical team up front this year, which is really concerning. And uh, this is a game where they're going to have to have that, and that starts with Creed Humphrey. These are veteran Going up against Coburn, that matchup, uh, like we said, like, that's got to go to all the other guys. It's got to kind of spread itself out along the offensive line to where you bring that physicality. That I'm not incredibly comfortable with this, this O-line group. I trusted Bill Biedenboe uh, that he's going to have said the right things after uh, the first few poor, uh, poor performances so far this year. But um, Oakland to bring it up front. They can't get pushed off the ball in this game. And it's as simple as that, Colin. It really is. They're, they're going to have to be uh, strong up front in this game and be able to protect uh, Spencer Atler uh, along with establishing
0: that run game. In order to win the line of scrimmage, which eventually wins football games, you got to be physical. And to this point, Oklahoma's offensive line has not proven that it is a physical group, which can be surprising because of some of the figures on that offensive line when you think about Adrian Ealy, Marquise Hayes, and a one Creed Humphrey. But right now, I mean, Texas's defensive line, you would feel, has the advantage. Oklahoma's offensive line has to prove that physicality that you mentioned. However, the physicality on the other side of things has been even more lackluster when you talk about Gosh, Oklahoma's has defensive added. line and Oklahoma's defense in general. Now, Texas's offense, it's kind of been interesting to follow because there have certainly been some consistency issues, and that's to be expected, as we should have mentioned. Both coordinators for Texas are new, but that being said, Mike Yuricic coming in is a very established offensive coordinator. And if anyone can capitalize on this matchup, you would feel as though it is Yuricic who coached previously at like Oklahoma state. It's going to be really interesting because you bring up physicality, man. Are we expecting Oklahoma's defense to just suddenly turn it around in this football game against UT? Because All signs would indicate that's probably not going to be the case, especially with Texas being a quote-unquote physical offense that they usually are.
1: Well, and that's the concerning thing, right? Like, it's not necessarily a switch that you could just flip right on. And uh, I think at times Oklahoma has brought that. You look – the the first part of the K-State game, I, I thought they were really sound and solid defensively. I thought their tackling was really good. But then you get to the fourth quarter of these games, and it it's porous. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's just – it's embarrassing, quite frankly. At times you have guys just lunging at players trying to tackle. They're, like you said, a physical – they're not physical up front. Um, and I think something that we need to address, like – Alex Grinch, and he's a great coach. I want to say this the right way. He's even owned it some this week, as well as Lincoln Riley. We've asked him for a couple weeks now, has this turnover emphasis, this continued emphasis on strictly generating turnovers, taken away from some of their fundamental play. And I think they finally started to admit that, that, yeah, that kind of has been a little bit of an issue for Oklahoma. Uh, Guys, like I said, lunging at ball carriers – it, instead of trying to create turnovers where you wrap a guy up and the second or third guy comes in and strips the ball loose like that's how you create turnovers uh, a ball it you know a passes in the air that's in your hands you got to catch that make that play like at times Oklahoma is trying to create these turnovers so much uh, they're almost being uh, a little crazy w- with how they're trying to do it instead of making fundamental plays at times and so Uh, That's something for Oklahoma defensively they've got to shore up uh, in this game and as well as the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, turnovers and quarterback pressure as well. And one of the things I'm really looking at, Joey, in this football game, it's fascinating to me because last season, if Oklahoma fans will remember correctly, it was the first time when playing against Texas that Alex Grinch rolled out his dime package. Now, At face value, that isn't too significant. How much impact truly can an extra defensive back have in a football game? But it wasn't the defensive back necessarily that changed things for Oklahoma against Texas. It was the fact that in Alex Grinch's dime package, he would have Kenneth Murray slide down and essentially play a wide nine technique on the defensive front. I don't care who you are or how good you are on offense. You're always going to account for a guy like Kenneth Murray if he's coming or not off the edge. Oklahoma doesn't have that presence right now, either at middle linebacker or in the pass rush perspective. And I don't think that Alice Grinch can replicate that package or that presence with anyone on his personnel grouping right now. And so that plays into a couple of different things because not only are they going to struggle to generate pass rush, which they did so well, especially in the first half against Texas, But that may lead to even more struggles as these games progress as Texas gets used to a little bit more of a bland defensive system from Oklahoma. And that's so significant to me, Joey, because as you mentioned it, OU is struggling to close out games. I mean, they are out of the second half just flatlining and allowing teams to come back. And if you'll remember correctly at home, last season wasn't necessarily any sort of cakewalk in the second half for OU, despite a dominant first half performance. I mean, the Longhorns were able to put together a little bit of a surge in the second half. And with all of that being gone from that dime package with Kenneth Murray from a season ago, I need to know how Oklahoma is going to try and step it up from both a turnover perspective and a pass rush perspective, which leads me to the next point that I want to address. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Ronnie Perkins. And Ronnie Perkins is set to return, supposedly, for this game. Now, Lincoln Riley has denied any rumors that are swirling he has said in the past that oh ronnie perkins status remains up in the air but by all accounts and reports Perkins is gonna play and lord knows oklahoma needs him joey can ronnie perkins be that difference maker for ou and can he finally generate the pass rush that oklahoma needs not only from just a sole pass rush perspective but from a turnover generating perspective
1: well ronnie perkins is a first round nfl talent he's that good and that's what Oklahoma is missing right now without him a guy that uh last season had six sacks 13 and a half tackles for loss an incredibly disruptive player and I think Oklahoma it's it's an obvious statement that right now Oklahoma is both Perkins and Jalen Redmond, but he's a guy that if you plug in like He's been practicing, so he's going to be in shape to play this game if, as you said, he's going to play. I think he could be the absolute difference maker in this game. But We haven't seen someone that could be disruptive in the backfield for Oklahoma, and he's up player with the, those capabilities to do that. And so, uh, to answer your question, yes, I, I think so. In fact, as we get to prediction time near the end of our show, He's going to be one of the reasons I'm going to have the prediction that I'm going to have.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too, and I think fans will as well. I think not only he can be that presence, but he's going to have to be if Oklahoma's going to win this game. I mean, Oklahoma not only hasn't had him, but keep in mind, I mean, Jalen Redmond is still not on this football team right now. And Jalen Redmond was number one in quarterback sacks from a season ago and top three in tackles for loss. With Redmond being gone and the extreme lack of disruption up front for OU, Perkins, as soon as he touches the field, if he does, and I think he will, he has to be that disruptive presence that Oklahoma has lacked to this point. If he isn't and he shows that he hasn't necessarily been involved in gameplay to this point, which he obviously hasn't been, it could be a very long day yet again for Oklahoma's defensive line against a Texas offensive line that is experienced, has some good talent, and takes pride in lead blocking for Sam Ellinger and some of those running backs. So I'm fascinated to see what Ronnie Perkins can provide because, man, again, you can't emphasize this enough. The Sooners need him desperately going into this rivalry matchup. Before we kind of wrap things up, was there anything else from an Oklahoma defense versus Texas offense perspective that you wanted to touch on obviously the defensive backfield the linebackers are all in question it's not just the defensive line of the struggle to this point anything else you're keying in on there no you know there's there's been concerns across the
1: board right I mean tackling has been at all levels it's been an issue but we had to we saw penalties as well defensively being an issue last weekend at Iowa State Um, It's something else I wanted to bring up with respect to to Ronnie Perkins, Uh, I know we addressed this before the season, but when things kind of snowball, when you're struggling in the fourth quarter and you're having trouble keeping leads, Ronnie Perkins is a guy that can step into that huddle. And and I understand he was on the sideline, but there's a distinct difference between being on the sideline and being out there on the field with your guys – Say when you give up a fifteen or twenty yard play, and say, "Look, next play, guys, like we got to get a stop now." We, you know, we gave up this play. Someone that can step into that huddle and be that leader and stem the tide. And to me, that's almost as more as much important as simply his sheer production, because Oklahoma, you've seen, really doesn't have that guy right now. And I'm not talking bad about Pat Fields by any means. He's an incredible leader, but Ronnie Perkins just resonates the way with these guys to where it's incredibly impactful and not only from a production standpoint like you feel like he could have stepped up and stood up and made a play at Iowa State last weekend that would have completely changed things even uh, with the way the game was going down the stretch there
0: yeah I mean look you're more inclined to listen to the potential first round pick than anyone else right so and that's the the point. point exactly that's that's what you're trying to say, and it's 100% a valid point. Now, that being said, I want to touch on Pat Fields and DeLaron Turner-Yell, two guys who figured to be some of those veteran presences and leaders that Oklahoma hopes. People will forget, maybe, but both of those guys had very good games against Texas a season ago. They were actually providing pressure on Sam Ellinger. They did some nice things in coverage. I really want to see how those two safeties do against UT this time around because – if they can put together a quality outing and have some of those bright spots that they did a season ago, maybe that's what gets the ball rolling for those two as they try and help out this secondary without a one-parnell molly. All right, I I think we're about to dive into some predictions and everything. Obviously, we could touch on the special teams, but both teams have established kickers, and that's not necessarily going to be a wild card in this game, right? Maybe one of the more constants going into this outing. I do want to touch on, though, with a guy we haven't really touched, touched on very much to this point before we get into everything. Spencer Rattler is going into his first OU Texas game. And it's not necessarily going to be the true OU Texas atmosphere with COVID restrictions and all of that. But at the same time, you're still playing a Big 12 power. You're still playing in a rivalry setting where everything, like I said, is thrown out the window. And you're still playing on a team that's trying to find itself along with you the redshirt freshman quarterback. There's a lot on Spencer Rattler's shoulders, even if there's not going to be a couple thousand Texas fans screaming down his neck whenever he's lined up in that end zone. Joey, just quick thoughts on Spencer Rattler's first OU Texas game. What's to be expected from the youngster in this outing?
1: It's big-time pressure. There's no doubt about it. And the interesting thing is Spencer Rattler did not grow up in this rivalry, he's from Arizona. He's a kid that, um, again, that's out in Pac 12 territory. So it's not like he, he grew up in the Lone Star State and saw these two uh, doing battle every year. But Lincoln said he under- perfectly understands the rivalry. He was in the program last year, he's been around it. So I think uh, he, he knows what the stakes are. Uh, clearly, the experience battle goes to Ellinger in Texas. He's Quarterback in several of these meetings against multiple Oklahoma quarterbacks. So the experience factor goes to Alliger and the Texas Longhorns, but um, I do think Spencer Rattler will be ready for this game. And um, you hope that some of the other veteran presences around him will kind of help um, get him prepared as the, the season or as the week rolls into Saturday here.
0: Yeah, and I think it was interesting because Creed Humphrey said, Hey, look, I talked to him and I let Spencer know this is more than just a game. I mean, first off, you mentioned it, the guy redshirted last year. He fully understands what that atmosphere would be like with or without fans. But I think he also understands the the caliber of this game. And I think how quickly he can realize that as the starter in game action is what will ultimately determine his success. If he acts scared. In his first start in an OU Texas game, and it doesn't calm down, obviously Oklahoma is going to be at a major disadvantage because, like you mentioned, Sam Ellinger has done this, and he's done it several times. But if Rattler can settle in and say, you know what, this is a big game, but I'm made for the big moments. That's what comes with being an Oklahoma quarterback. I think he's bound for some success, especially, especially against a Texas defensive backfield that we've mentioned. It struggled with tackling and it hasn't necessarily met expectations to this point. So, I'm expecting some good things from Rattler. And to be quite honest with you, I think you would agree, Joey. It hasn't necessarily been Spencer Rattler's fault that Oklahoma is 0-2 to this point in conference play. If his teammates can step up around him, I'm expecting Spencer Rattler to have a pretty solid first outing as a starter against Texas. All right, let's get into some numbers and some picks. Are you ready to do this, Joe? Because it's let's been a let's do
1: long. it. Let's do it.
0: All right, folks. You know, we'll what, see how now.
1: rusty we are, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm terrified because last year I think we did pretty good on our picks. I forgot who ended up winning. I think we're about even.
1: You you might have. I think late into the year you you were up by a couple, but it was really close the entire year.
0: So yeah, it was a nail biter for sure. We did a pretty good job of going back and forth, but these are a lot of fun. You know how it goes at home if you're a freaking watcher. If you're a first time viewer or listener. We do our Sooner selections, so five picks, including the game spread and over-under for each outing. And then the three to follow, those two from Vegas, are our own. You can send in your picks with us. We'll have a comment section on OUinsider.com for this show and several other pieces, including the Sooner selections article that we usually post before kickoff. So feel free to make these picks with us in real time and on the website where we're going to dive into them right now. Joey, here we go. The current spread is favoring Oklahoma. The Sooners are a two and a half point favorite against Texas. This spread rose a half a point. Originally, OU was a two point favorite; just a safety separated the two squads. But now, they're expecting a field goal or more from OU. Are you picking Oklahoma to win? You picking Texas to cover? What's going on here, man?
1: Man, should I should I just lay everything uh, in the the pick right here and right now, I think I will. That's so, cool. I I think the line is just absolutely perfect on this game. I, I, With my pick, the two and a half, I think, is just absolutely spot on. I think, uh, you know, this is maybe a stay away game if you guys are trying to bet on a game. I'm not sure if I would touch it one way or the other. But I have Oklahoma winning this game, uh, 34-31, um, that would – give Oklahoma the the narrow cover as well as the under 72-and-a-half um, as well that we'll uh, talk about with the over-under there. But um, the, the three reasons Oklahoma's going to win this game, the, in my opinion. Number one is Lincoln Riley. He's been criticized, I'm sure, uh, by a lot of you guys out there. I, I know on our, our site there have been some uh, kind of crazy things said about Lincoln in losing the first two games. It's really tough for me to see Lincoln Riley's team go 0-3 in Big 12 play. I think he's going to have the Sooners ready for this game. They're going to be up for it. And I think the head-to-head matchup with him and Tom Herman, he's 3-1. and The edge right now goes to Lincoln Riley. So, uh, you know, I, I I like Oklahoma for that reason. Number two, we've talked about him, Ronnie Perkins. He's a difference maker. He's going to be disruptive in this game if, if and when he plays. and. I think disruptive in a way maybe we haven't seen for Oklahoma defensively so far. Uh, number three is Spencer Atler. And, and I know that's going to raise some eyebrows, right? That's going to raise some eyebrows for you guys out there. But this is a different Red River showdown than we've seen. There is not going to be 100,000 people in the scenes. There's not going to be a 50-50 split. There's no fair when the guys walk in or bus into the stadium. It's a different year. The pressure is going to be different. He's a redshirt freshman, but yet – the redshirt freshman pressure isn't quite the same as it would otherwise be. He's lost a couple of games already. He's made key mistakes in those games in losing to Kansas State and Iowa State. And I think mistakes that maybe take the pressure away a little bit, right? Like he's going to be a little bit less nervous to make a mistake, knowing that he's already made some key mistakes. I don't think that he cost Oklahoma games, like you said. Uh, but certainly interceptions late uh, when that, when Oklahoma had chances to win. So uh, I think he'll play well. And uh, I, I narrowly, it's a complete toss-up, guys, but I like Oklahoma in this game close.
0: The, the lack of atmosphere definitely benefits Spencer Rattler. And to go to your first point, Urban Meyer has been each message board's head coach to this point, and he is going to be the head coach of whichever message board takes the L on Saturday. It's going to be very funny to see, but at the same time, I'm with you. Lincoln Riley, while these two head coaches have been in some battles, Lincoln Riley has typically found a way to keep the advantage. He's the more established coach, I would say, right now, and and I have Oklahoma winning for that reason. That that being said, I think you're spot on here. The spread is perfect. I was just a little bit surprised to see Oklahoma as the favorite. I was fully expecting Texas – to be the favorite going into this game, considering UTEP is a better opponent than Missouri State, even though that's not saying much on both accounts. And then Texas has played Texas Tech and and TCU. Kansas State was a depleted squad. And and Iowa State, yes, that's a very good football team. That was the one quality loss on OU's resume of the two. So I think Texas, for them not to be the favorite, really indicates the the point that I'm going to take here. And that's I'm picking the king of the throne until they're dethroned right? I mean, Oklahoma has been the five-time Big 12 champ for a reason, and so I just have to see it to believe it. I have Oklahoma winning 42 to 38 on Saturday with the cover, which then, of course, mentions the over-under. I'm taking the over. I believe you're taking the under, if I remember correctly.
1: The trend is the over, so you're, you're probably on the right side. You're going with the trend, and uh, I'm going with the under seventy two and a half. So. I just
0: got to go with the over because both teams are struggling in tackling. I think they're both towards the bottom 74 of teams right now in tackling. I saw that on social media. That's not a great look, but it's a great look for those out there looking at the over. Now, let's get into our specific picks that we have created here, and this will be interesting because we've done some research here. OU's defensive line, obviously we mentioned it, struggled to this point to generate much quarterback pressure. They have generated one sack in the past two games respectively, so a sack in every Big 12 outing. No more from that defensive line. So, Joey, over or under one and a half sacks for Oklahoma's defensive line, specifically not including the linebackers or anyone else, what do you think? Are they going to be able to generate that pressure?
1: Well, I almost think I have to put my money where my mouth is here because I've talked about Perkins and, and talked about him a lot. And uh, nothing, quite frankly, that we've seen so far w- would lead you to go with the over here. But I, I think he's, he's going to make an impact and, and have a sack or two in this game. Now, we're talking about the defensive line. So uh, we're not linebackers here, you know. Uh, they could get in there and make a play. So it, it's a risky bet, but I, I will – man, I, I will go with the over.
0: I'm going to roll with the over two. I'll say and two. I think two is kind of the number I'm thinking here because Ronnie Perkins could face double teams all day. But I, I have to believe that's going to open some things up for the other guys on the defensive front. Great I point. Isaiah Thomas is a good player and maybe he's just needing some opportunities and some attention drawn away from him. Perrion Winfrey, maybe he's settling it a little bit more. Josh Ellison had a couple of tackles against Iowa State. I think if Ronnie Perkins can even just draw attention away from the other guys, they'll be able to capitalize on that, and I think I'm just going to barely take the over there. All right, this has been interesting as well, and, Joey, I want you to explain why we bring it up. Oklahoma's running backs, over or under 4.5 yards per carry in the game. Joey, why are we setting it this way? My goodness! What a
1: perfect number! What what? And Colin, when we talk about these numbers, man, it's at sometimes you almost feel like we should be in Vegas with these numbers making them. absolutely. But I mean, it's it's crazy how how one side of the fence or the other you could be on. Oklahoma for five straight games has rushed for less than four yards per carry. Wow! That I mean that is just something. The three games this year. The Baylor game, the Big 12 championship, and LSU in the Peach Bowl—all five of those games—they have managed less than four yards per carry. Uh, not a good trend when you go into this game. The team that runs the balls—we've talked about—or physical team up front, one that's able to to push them off the line of scrimmage and uh, generate some plays in the run game, opens everything else up. You got to be able to run the football in this game. And uh, I, I, since we're doing running backs. Uh, running backs only, I, I am going to, uh, man, uh, uh, time I gonna, I'm going to go 4.6 yards per carry. I, I'm going to buck the trend here. I'm going to buck the trend, Colin.
0: We're wow.
1: going to go Just a gut fill, just, just an absolute gut fill. And, and I think some of what you're about to say is probably going to be some of why I think the running backs will go for 4.6.
0: Well, okay, I I think a lot of this, like I mentioned, has to do with how you try and negate some of those defensive linemen for Texas because they're experienced and they're very talented. And as I mentioned earlier, maybe this is the time to let Spencer Rattler run a little bit more. He showed that he can move against Iowa State, bailing himself out of those pressures. If if not in the passing situations, maybe you give him some more freedom in the running situations, which then – creates opportunities for those running backs. But, Joey, if I bring up Spencer Rattler, I have to also account for what that may do to the running backs in the fact that maybe that averages a few more actual carry opportunities in this game. And I think Texas' defensive line and linebackers are pretty solid. If they can establish themselves up front against a struggling offensive line, I'm going to take the under here. I'm going to roll with the under. I like it. I like it. I'm going to roll with the under if Ramondre Stevenson doesn't play. Ah. That's the key. If he does play, I'll roll with the over. And I think, Joey, obviously you can stay with the over because it would typically indicate that if Ramondre Stevenson is playing, they're going to hit that over. But for me, if Ramondre Stevenson is not made available for this game, I'm going to roll with the under here, given what I've seen from Oklahoma's offensive line, Texas defensive line, and maybe Spencer Rattler's ability. To run. All right, last one. We mentioned Spencer Rattler. Kind of some turnover struggles, if you want to call it. Now, if you look at it by a case by case basis, Joey, I think honestly, not all of them have been his fault. In Kansas State, he had one tipped up by a receiver into the hands of a State defender. The other one, he actually made a pretty decent decision to go one on one with Marvin Mims on the sideline. Just Gardner, the Kansas State defensive back, made a spectacular play on the football. The last interception, the game sealer, was a bad throw. And then, though, against Iowa State, his lone interception late in the game, I mean, he kind of throws that football because I anticipate him seeing Charleston Rambo being held down the field. And maybe he's thinking, I can try and draw a penalty flag here. That was not the case, which led to the then turnover. But regardless, on the stat sheet, it says he's had these quote-unquote turnover struggles. So I ask you, Joey. Over or under one and a half Spencer Rattler turnovers for the game, and this is including both interceptions and/or fumbles.
1: Offensive line is going to have to have to keep him clean, keep him comfortable in this game. I thought I thought late in the Big 12 opener against K-State, he was a little bit uncomfortable, and I thought that interception was a forced kind of a panicked play last weekend as well. Like you said, just. Maybe sees a hole downfield and trying to make a make a play, take a shot. There ends up being picked off and seals the game. That I, I think he's going to get intercepted or uh, or sack fumble in this game, one or the other. But I think he's going to go under one and a half. I guess I'm going. I guess I'm going bullish on OU on all these numbers, if you will. But uh, I think I just have a, a decent feel. For whatever reason, I think he's been through a lot of adversity so far, man. Like, he, he, can you think of the last time a quarterback in the first two games of his career for Oklahoma has been through the grinder more than, than Spencer Rattler has so far for Oklahoma? And so, um, I, I think uh, he could. He, he he's gonna he's gonna feel some pressure in this game and turn the ball over. But I'll, I'll I will take the under. Reluctantly, take the under.
0: Well, look, I'm going to take the under with you. Now, it's of note, I saw this on social media somewhere, and don't quote me on this, but I want to bring it up. It's something like Texas has forced an interception in each of the past four or five games between these two teams. I mean, the Texas defensive backfield has found a way to create turnovers in this outing. And my big thing here is, okay, I anticipate maybe an interception or a fumble created at some point in this game when you look at Spencer Rattler adjusting and Oklahoma's offensive line. And obviously Texas' defense plays a role in that as well. But I just think that, like you mentioned, Rattler has gone through so much adversity already, and he's played relatively well to this point. I think he's going to be really careful with the football. And so I just – I struggled to see him exceeding one-and-a-half turnovers in this game just by pure discipline I think he may be even a little bit too cautious at times and that what might be the the difficult factor for Oklahoma early in the process but for that reason I'm going to be with you there I'm going to take the under and I'm going to say Spencer Rattler has one or less turnovers in this game probably around one I think that does it for us man that was a good that was a good little uh Welcome yeah, back. A little boys. back with
1: all of our friends, you know, we're, we're back with you. We're going to be back with you. Hey, maybe, maybe they'll get a W this weekend. What do you think?
0: I, I will see. I we're both up. on the sooner side. <laughs> we both have Oklahoma winning the football game and we both know that it's going to be an interesting outing, but remember the ble- the best place to watch OU Texas or just enjoy it with friends and family is with some Penny Hill Bar and Char. Be sure to check them out. A great place, great food, great times, whether it's there on the location or at home with some takeout. That does it for us here on Sooner Digest, Joey. I'm hoping we'll be doing this again here soon. It was a lot of fun, man. So signing out on Sooner Digest, everybody. I'm Colin Kennedy. He's Joey Hilmer. We will see you guys soon. Have a fun and safe weekend and be sure to enjoy some football.